Hello, everyone. This is Ade. Thank you so much for joining me, and welcome back to Five Tree Christmas Podcast. Today, I'll be chatting with Kwejo Sompimpong. Kwejo is a furniture designer and maker, and we'll be chatting a bit about the process of taking raw materials and making them into beautiful furniture, of building a business, and, of course, Christmas. It's a lovely conversation, and I'll know you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Stick around to hear what we've got. So, as I mentioned in the intro, today I'll be chatting with Quajo. Quajo is a furniture designer and maker in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm very excited to have Quajo as a guest on Five Tree Christmas. So, Quajo, welcome to Five Tree Christmas. Thank you so much. Hello. I'm excited as well. I'm glad. I'm glad. So, Quajo, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Like, where are you from? I guess I just covered the light version of those things, but tell us a little bit more. Yes. So, so um... I am uh, I'm living in Asheville, as, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I moved here about seven years ago. Okay. And um, prior to that, I, I lived in a few places up and down the East Coast. I was born in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. And then I, I went to high school in Virginia, went to college in Pittsburgh, um, moved back down here to Asheville, then moved to upstate New York. And then oh, wow. Went, yeah, landed here in Asheville finally. Oh, wow. So you, you weren't kidding when you said up and down the East Coast. All right. And I know we're here to talk about your woodworking, but do you do that for a living or do you do other things? Uh, mm-hmm. How do you spend your other time when you're not working and not woodworking? What are your, some of your favorite things and what do you do? Yeah. So um, I, I work in the nighttime, in the evening, mm. at a, a manufacturing plant. That's my, my day job, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> um, and then... Uh, crafted glory is is what I'm trying to build on the side. Okay, I, I've stopped calling it my my side job or my hobby, mm-hmm. and I correct people when they say, "Oh, is that your hobby?" Um, no, it's it's very much not my hobby. It's a very serious thing yeah. that, I'm, that I'm trying to grow and hopefully one day soon turn into my my primary uh, occupation. So right now I I have to do both to Mm -hmm. support myself yeah but um i'm really hoping that i can get to a place where crafted glory can stand alone okay so let's call it maybe your small business my small business that's i like it i like it all (laughs) right um and just quickly uh why did you do the thing that you're doing for your job like what did you just were you were you really into i don't know what you manufacture what your company Mm -hmm. manufactures but is it something that you were really passionate about um why did you do it and did that kind of help lead into woodworking or is it completely separate Hmm. well it was uh it at one time i was very passionate about sustainability well i'm still passionate about sustainability but in terms of my um my current occupation i i i got an environmental uh civil environmental engineering degree okay um as my master's actually my undergrad was mechanical engineering and so i I wish i I wish i could say i knew the difference i only kind of (laughs) can imagine the difference but it's okay keep going keep going (laughs) Uh, so I thought that I would go into uh, an environmental field directly, um, maybe working on, uh, I don't, uh, I was looking at wastewater, I was looking at uh, brownfields and remediation, oh, those type of things. I thought I'd go into that professionally. Mm-hmm. And so the, the company that I work for, um, 
came around and uh, I thought that that would be the route I would go in. But mm -hmm. actually, it took a very different turn. And mm -hmm. right now, I am in supervision mm -hmm. on the manufacturing floor, mm -hmm. uh, not doing something directly related to sustainability. Oh, I see, I mm -hmm. see, I see. So that's so, what led into that. That's really interesting. So mm -hmm. did did having exposure to like making things all the time in a very different way, I'm sure, mm -hmm. is that what led you into woodworking? Let's let's start talking about that. Like what, what brought you here? Um, and and like how has how yeah how has that transition been from like i work a job to i have this other thing that i do where i'm making my own things um what has that been like for you mm. it's been a lifelong journey mm -hmm. actually because as a child i was very passionate about making things mm. so uh <laughs> going to my grandmother's house during the week was a, a special um thing among me and really my older brother and mm -hmm. I uh, spent the most time with her. And when whenever we'd go there, I would ask her for things that I could use to, to build things. So I would go to the kitchen, uh, take her aluminum foil, toothpicks, whatever I could find, mm -hmm. and then I'll just sit down and make things. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved doing that. Uh, I liked making gadgets and stuffing my, my coat jacket with little trinkets that I would <laughs> that I'd make and use throughout the day and pretend I was uh, some kind of um, I, I liked Inspector Gadget I liked all the gadgets that he had yeah. so I'd make my own gadgets and put them in my pockets and <laughs> walk around stealthily through the day love it <laughs> just, love it just really enjoying myself and at, at my house I would collect tin cans and at one point I had hundreds of tin cans stuffed into the garage closet oh interesting and my dad said quick you we can't have all of this here and i was just trying to get him to understand that i was collecting it so that i could use build it something. to build my imagination but yeah uh, i guess no one really understood the passion. what happened to the tin cans <laughs> they got thrown out oh no <laughs> because look, i wanted to learn how to weld yeah, and my parents, okay. uh, they're like, eh, that's, they weren't too sure about that. <laughs> Being a safe idea at, I was probably 14 or so. Oh, wow. Um, so all of that to say is from childhood, I've loved using my hands to create what was in my imagination. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it seems like you were always creative in this way. So what ab what about the transition to mostly working with wood i i assume mm -hmm. i don't know if you work with anything else still yes. um how did that happen and because uh, working with wood completely new to you when you got started like mm -hmm. tell us a little bit of actually know a little bit of the story and i think it's amazing so please <laughs> go ahead and share it with the yes. with the people of five tree christmas well I, I moved into my house my current house in 2015 and it was empty um I remember mm -hmm. being so surprised by how empty it was because when we, my father and I uh, were, were scoping out a place for mm -hmm. me to, to buy, um, it was nicely furnished and mm -hmm. it was very well presented and it just didn't click in my head that all this furniture wouldn't be mine. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so when, I, when I moved in, my, my, my voice would echo with how empty it was. Yeah. And all I had as a college recently graduated um, bachelor was a, a mattress, a folding table and a folding chair. Amazing. 
Amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very college, male college grad. Up Absolutely. So at one point I, well, I was, I was shopping for furniture at thrift stores and then wasn't really finding what I wanted. So mm -hmm. one day I decided I would try to make something. In this case, it was a couple end tables. So I, I uh, grabbed some, some scrap wood and went to Lowe's and got some materials and put something together. It was very crude and it has since become firewood, but I, I was very inspired by the process. And that planted the seed for um, my desire to work with wood. Okay. So from that point, it was just gradually, organically um, learning, mostly on my own, mm -hmm. and experimenting, experimenting, collecting tools, building up my shop, and then here we are today, working with wood. Amazing. So let's talk a little bit about that, like, like from that point to building to where you are today. How <laughs> did you get started, um, like materials-wise, tools-wise? Um, and then, you know, you mentioned that what pieces you made first, but, like, what was that? Like, what were the first kind of set of things you created? Um, and were they good? Do you still have them? Like, like what, was, what, was the, what were the early days like? Hmm. Uh, the early days, it, I was, it was very uh, scrappy, I suppose would be mm -hmm. the, the word. Um, just experimenting. I would, I would hear about some method of furniture making and then would uh, go and try it out. Now I realized that, oh, I need this tool to be able to do this thing mm -hmm. because the way I was doing it before was not very good. So mm -hmm. then I would iterate there. It's just constant iteration. Um, and the initial set of tools that I had were not that great. Mm -hmm. So my work would uh, struggle, mm -hmm. struggle in the area. And then I discovered a certain brand of tools that are excellent for woodworking. And mm -hmm. so over time, I replaced most of my tools with that brand. So it's yes, yeah, just been an iterative process. Right now, I don't i'm looking around i don't have really any of my early pieces there's one here mm -hmm. that i did make a couple of years ago it's still here but most of them are gone i the first piece that i sold was oh gone because you sold them uh, mostly yes oh wow okay mm -hmm. okay okay yes so I, my first piece i sold was to a local lady in Asheville, mm -hmm. and it was made out of a walnut slab and I uh, created the leg leg base for it, and she she loved it, and that was one of the most rewarding experiences. Having somebody look at something that I made and decide that they they loved it, and uh, wow, the story actually came full circle with her. Um, earlier this year, mm -hmm. she requested another piece mm -hmm. that I made for her. So it was really nice to have made. The first piece that sold for her many years ago, and then come back around and make something else for her. That's that amazing. Really mm -hmm. My next question was going to be, you know, how did you get started in making things for other people and mm -hmm. selling your work? So you just told us about your first sale. Can you tell us about like what that? Uh, I mean, that was incidental. It seems like it wasn't like you were trying to sell it. Maybe you were. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but how did you get started in like? I how did you decide like I want to sell my things. Um, that I make 
And uh, I th- now you sell on Etsy, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you sell anywhere else. Like, how did how did you start doing that? Um, mm. So Etsy and selling initially are, are two stories. I'll start with okay. the the first one. Um, so after I I had made a piece that I felt pretty good about, which actually I don't think it was that first one that sold. I think I've mm-hmm. made something else, and I found a thrift store, one of the thrift stores where I had. Uh, shopped for items from her house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I realized that I could put some of my items in that thrift store. Mm-hmm. So I, I put some things there. That's where the lady found my my piece and okay. connected with me. And so that started off selling um, the furniture. Then Etsy came about because my, my little sister had a, a uh, study abroad trip in mm-hmm. South Africa that she was trying to go to. I was trying, trying to figure out how to raise money for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, I was experimenting with making wooden jewelry. So um, she, either she suggested or I suggested that we make some earrings, wooden earrings for her to sell. Mm-hmm. And then I had heard about Etsy somehow and thought, why don't I post, or why don't I list some of my items there? So I started off with wooden jewelry on Etsy, and uh, I didn't have any sales. And the way the algorithm works is you need sales to to make sales. Mm -hmm. So I asked a friend of mine if if she would purchase some of my items. So she purchased, uh, a couple other friends purchased to help build some traffic. Mm -hmm. And then strangers started purchasing. And that was very slow at first, the Mm -hmm. first year or two. Um, it was just maybe a couple pieces a month that would sell. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I'm sure we'll cover this more later, but uh, about a year ago, Etsy did a feature on my shop, which oh, wow. did, yeah, that spiked the traffic to my shop. And since then, it has sustained at a pretty um, steady level. Okay. And currently, I, I sell larger items on Etsy, uh, mostly tables. Okay. And I've moved away from earrings and the smaller items. Okay. So it's, it's been a, quite an interesting progression. Wow. So what has that growth been like in an kind of emotional and time management and like, I don't know what other adjectives to throw in there, way? Um, has it been fun? Has it been challenging? Um, what, is it, what has it felt like? It has been the, the full spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> before we got on to the interview, I was actually reviewing some of my uh, furniture pictures on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I scrolled back all the way to the first one and realized that it was just about a year ago that I wow. um, had started taking those pictures. It just feels like it's so much longer than that because so much has happened in this past year, year and a, year and a half that has uh, caused me to grow, force me to grow, to, mm-hmm. to learn, to it has stretched me. Mm-hmm. So when, that, when Etsy did that feature, I was not prepared for it and mm-hmm. items on my, my shop were not set up for a high volume. Mm-hmm. So my lead times were short. So, um, in that's, a, that's the, can you define that? That's the time between when you, something, somebody sell, somebody buys something and it gets to them or what yes, is exactly. Okay. Yes. So I had items that I said would ship in three to five days. Uh, that was the main, um, that was the most common lead okay. time. Mm-hmm. 
And when the feature happened, literally in a 24 hour period, I had over a hundred orders to fulfill. Yeah. Three to five days will not work. Probably. Not at all. And, and, uh, I had no prior experience to know how to handle that whole situation. So that one instance um, caused a, a full year of, of great stress. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, because uh, I started missing deadlines and then customers would reach out and ask when they're getting their items and, um, and their delays and customers started to get frustrated right a couple a few with cancel orders uh it was just a a, a snowball effect yeah and mind you I, i'm still working my my evening job yeah um messages are popping up with inquiries questions status checks so it's just a constant uh it was just a constant constant pressure although I was very grateful for the traffic and I yeah. definitely want to make that clear. Not yeah. complaining to Etsy or anything like that, but um, I just was not prepared for it. Yeah. But Except for the change. Yeah. But um, it did force me in a short period of time to grow mm -hmm. uh, a lot. I had to learn how to interact with customers mm -hmm. well, how to, um, reassure them how to do good customer service, mm -hmm. uh, change processes so that I could deliver better mm -hmm. on my promises. Mm -hmm. So it was many things that I learned That's through amazing. this whole experience. Mm -hmm. So I have so many follow-up questions. I'm going to start with uh, how, how and why, I mean, we talked about the earrings, the, the move from like small, small pieces like earrings to larger pieces like tables, but how have your pieces changed um, since you have gotten all this traffic? Have they? That's, I guess, maybe the first question. And um, if so, how? And have you changed your designs, the way you create, the way that you source your materials? How have you changed in order to meet um, customer demand or, or you know, you dream of making a certain kind of thing? So you you just start making that or, you know, how, do, how does that, um, how does that, how has that changed over time? Mm. It has been a very dynamic process. Uh, the last thing you mentioned about uh, dreaming about making something and making it, uh, it, it's one of the things I enjoy most is when a customer will, will request a design. And if it's a design that I'm excited about, I'm excited because it's something new I can add to my shop. Okay. Um, because I don't have... I spend most of my time fulfilling orders mm -hmm. and don't have a whole lot of time to spend making new designs. Mm -hmm. So it's killing two birds with one stone. I get to uh, fulfill an order and also add something new to my shop. Mm -hmm. So that's often how new designs come about. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as changing my processes and my designs, I, uh, over time, my my design aesthetic has been honed it I describe it as a Scandinavian um, inspired design aesthetic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with straight lines simplicity mm -hmm. and um, really nice pleasing geometry mm -hmm. so that's what you'll see in most of my designs uh, over time I have uh, been able to streamline how I make uh, 
components. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to keep in mind how the items will ship. So I have to design for uh, effective shipping mm-hmm. um, and ease of assembly. Um, That's, a, you know what? God bless you. <laughs> ease of assembly is something. That matters a lot yes. to people who do not like putting furniture together like me. <laughs> yes. So, so um, almost all my, most of my pieces, what you'll find is they'll have a top and they'll have a leg assembly or actually mm-hmm. two parts to the leg assembly. Mm-hmm. And all of that is attached to the top by usually just eight screws um, or bolts. Hmm. And so really That's easy to, to put together. Instructions really aren't even needed because it's very intuitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some items will ship fully assembled just because of the nature of the item, especially very large items. And uh, others will ship uh, unassembled. Okay. I that, Wow. I'm imagining a giant box of like, <laughs> the, the. I would have thought it would be the other way around. Fully assembled items would be like the smallest ones really, mm. because maybe that's the easiest for, for you. But it seems like um, the largest items you're saying are the things that sometimes you have to ship in uh, pre-assembled. Yes. Some of the, a lot of the larger items are items that just cannot be disassembled. Uh, for example, my walnut console tables. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Those... Those have been pretty popular, and uh, yeah, those are just one fixed uh, unit. Okay. And the reason why I fully assemble some of the very the larger pieces, like mm. for example, someone ordered a fifty by fifty inch square coffee table. Amazing! Mm-hmm. That's really big. <laughs> it's very big, <laughs> and that shipped to California. Uh, wow. Yeah, so just with that, it's just uh, they invested in this piece, and I just, I felt like it would be nice for it to come ready, fully yeah. assembled. I think it helps with the, the presentation. Wow. But they open it up, and it's already ready to go. Yeah. I'm going to shift gears a lot, in, for just, for now, in, just right now, in a, for a second. I just really mm-hmm. want to know how you get all of this wood. Mm. Like, where do you get it? Like somebody orders a 50 by 50 inch table. Is it, is it many pieces of wood and you put them together somehow? Mm-hmm. And where do you get that wood? <laughs> like what, what does that, pro- somebody says, Quajo, I would like a 50 by 50 inch table. And you're mm-hmm. like, cool. What happens next? Mm. So my, um, my sourcing is, is pretty well established at this point. Mm-hmm. I have, really three sources for for lumber and depending on what type of lumber will determine who, who I go to. One company is called Bee Tree Hardwoods. It's a local lumber yard, family okay. owned, very nice, very loving people who work there. Okay. And I love that they just have good hearts. And so I get most of my lumber from them. And uh, if I need to get slabs, like walnut slabs, I have a friend who uh, mills his own lumber from the tree. Okay. So it, uh, Amazing. It, mm-hmm, typically, it will be a tree that is, it, it might be uh, intruding on some underground infrastructure. It might be uh, ready to fall. It might be dying. And they're very conscientious about their harvesting of, of lumber. 
It's, it's very small scale. Mm-hmm. And he will slice it up lengthwise and dry it, which is a whole process. It takes years. And oh, I didn't, well, can, I didn't know that. It can take years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, then I will sort through what he has available. It's a very intimate process, choosing a slab. Uh, and I have to choose just the right one for the application and go from there. And I also source some um, some of my oak from him. And I have another friend where I get some of my oak and mm-hmm. walnut as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's Amazing. Uh, three, three sources of lumber. And it's, it's very, it's very much like often you're going specifically to get wood that you need for specific designs. It's exactly. not just like, you're like, I got a bunch of wood that I bought just sits in my shop and I'll just pick one. It, exactly. It's, oh, that's really interesting. Yes. Okay. And the, the beauty of, of woodworking is that it's again, a very intimate process. I can't, I don't just, as you mentioned, uh, have a, a stack of wood that I pull from. Mm-hmm. I have to look at each piece and decide where it is going to fall in mm-hmm. the, the piece of furniture. I have to look at the figure. I have to look at the grains, how the wood bends, um, defects in the wood, mm-hmm. how I'm going to cut around certain sections, how I'm going to make the most use of a, a length of wood mm-hmm. to optimize my uh, investment in that piece. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel um, closer to some of your goals about sustainability and uh, kind of your passions that you had when you were in grad school? Does Do you feel like you've been able to return to some of those? I think so. And in an unexpected way, mm-hmm. uh, I, I care very much about trees and their purpose in our world and in our, in our lives. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot about trees that the uh, normal person just wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. I think that oftentimes we think, oh, they're just they're just trees out there. They're all trees. They're all basically the same. But the, each tree each species has a unique purpose mm-hmm. in in the environment. For example, walnut trees, uh, they are very aggressive and- I they did have... not expect you to use that <laughs> word, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they like to dominate the land that they're in and they actually will secrete certain toxins into the soil to um, prevent other trees from newer trees from coming up oh yeah so they all right they, walnut they're selfish trees it's <laughs> very interesting but also trees communicate to each other uh this is something i learned recently uh, if for example a tree is dying it will start sharing its nutrients with surrounding trees you because see it knows it's passing away so yes it, it's like i don't need these you can you can have them yes and also if if uh, a tree is deficient of nutrients, other trees can share nutrients through through the roots. That's incredible. Root mm-hmm. So uh, there's a scientist who actually studied this. She would use um, markers, some kind of chemical markers. She would inject in the soil and just watch how those markers travel through the soil. Um, and you could see, you could see... Uh, 
car carbon and other nutrients traveling back and forth uh, through the soil. It's amazing. very, very amazing. I'm so glad that you feel that you've gotten to return to some of your, your passions in this really unexpected way. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. All right. So I would like to know, let's start with the negative question. What <laughs> is the most challenging thing about this part of your life? What do you think would surprise people on the challenge side about whether it's small business ownership or the actual, I mean, I think we're actually talking about two, two, I mean, they're, they're all part of your woodworking, but they're two different things. There's the business and then there's the actual, um, pr production and making, um, you can pick either one, but what, what would, what do you think has been the most challenging thing for you? Um, and, and that would, that would surprise us. Mm. I would say the most challenging thing, interestingly, is not really making the pieces themselves. Mm -hmm. It's mostly with with time and mm -hmm. the schedule. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> since I work the the night job, I I find that my passion has shifted. I was very much passionate about working that that job, mm -hmm. uh, and now. Although I'm very grateful for it, I thank God so much for that job, and it has opened so many doors for me. Mm -hmm. I just find that when I'm there, I just cannot get into it like I mm -hmm. used to. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there just thinking I could be in my shop, catching up on orders, uh, delivering to my customers, taking care of them, building the business out. There's just so much I could be doing right now if I were not here. Mm. But there I am sitting there at my desk, it's just, it feels so um, not unfair. It just seems ironic in a way yeah. that if only I didn't have to be here, I could do what it takes to not to be grow. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, that's, that's hard. Yeah. That hard. So I, I feel stuck. Um, so that leaves me uh, using the four hours I have each morning to try and get as much done and then almost all of the weekend to to work on pieces. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for being here and taking this time. <laughs> oh, no, this is this is a pleasure. This is all part of it. I'm I glad. Really enjoy it. I'm glad. All right. Let's go to the positive side. Okay. What is your favorite thing about woodworking, selling direct to customers, either either the business side or the making side? Hmm. I am still very amazed that people are buying my creations. Yeah. And sometimes I'll sit back and try and take it in and be, I'll be so astounded that someone all the way on the other side of the country is purchasing something that I made. So mm -hmm. I've sold items to people in almost every state amazing um, at this point and that just amazes me so much i just think who am i to make these pieces for people and some of the people who are purchasing them are um they're designers they're oh wow they're people other creatives of, of, of status not yeah. to say that that's more important than um, the most important thing, but it's just, yeah. it just makes it so amazing that yeah. they would decide to purchase something from me. 
That's incredible. Yes. So that always humbles me and makes me very grateful. I, I count all of this a huge blessing from God that I'm able to do this work that I do. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So, you know, here at, at Five Street Christmas, I often, like a lot of what I do is about movies and media mm-hmm. around Christmas time, but in general as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder, do you ever see uh, kind of what, do you ever relate to uh, either woodworking specifically or m- people who make things, produce things, create things, design things and on television or in the movies? Is there like uh, something that inspired you? You're, you talked about Inspector Gadget <laughs> earlier, <laughs> which is, I thought, really uh, an adorable kind of uh, like thing for a kid to be like, yeah, like I can make myself in, like tools like Inspector Gadget. Yeah. So I wonder if, if you've seen any of that as an adult, where, you know, yeah. is there, are there things that you see um, that reflect that part, this part of your life? Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, what, what do you think they're communicating to the general public about uh, what it's like to make things or run a small business or, or work with wood? Do you think they're getting it right or wrong? Hmm. Um, I would say that I, so I don't know if, if I mentioned this to you mm-hmm. before, but I actually, uh, I'm a filmmaker as well. Oh, very <laughs> interesting. So um, in college, I took a filmmaking class and I fell in love with that. That was pro- that was before the woodworking came along. And so I entered a, a contest, the Doritos Crash the Super Bowl competition. So we, we I made a commercial with some other friends. Yeah. And um, that went on and got uh, tens of thousands of views, which blew my mind. And wow, Quajo. <laughs> that, that, that's what got me into the filmmaking. And I actually spent many years um, developing my craft there. So uh, I guess there is a direct correlation somehow. And interestingly, a film someone who does set design on Mm -hmm. films reached out to me to have me make a a table for a set. Oh my goodness. And this is a a set designer. She worked on uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And uh, Transcendent. And she worked on a couple other uh, major films. Yeah. And she, she asked me to make a table. So, um, yeah, I made that for her. I didn't reach out to find out um, if I'll be able to see or know what film it is in. Yeah. I was a little nervous to ask her that. Yeah. I probably should. But <laughs> that it was... Would, it would be cool to know. It would be cool to know. But no, no cool. pressure. No pressure. It's very cool to know. Oh, wow. That's, that's really interesting. And I honestly have... I, I I really like thinking a lot about crews, um, mm-hmm. like the the people behind the camera and what it is that like the many 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 um, really fascinating jobs that um, people I think don't think of, um, including including people who build um, and make make the make the world happen um, set wise. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's really cool that you were able to have that connection to the film world, both um, by directly making them, but also by producing producing things for them. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I so I, I see myself as just a creative. I mm-hmm. I like to express myself creatively, um, whatever the the medium may be. So That's incredible. You you often hear people talk about how 
it's valuable, it's important to um, have varied interests because mm-hmm. they can they can uh, draw out more. For example, if you're doing one, if your medium is one area, to be involved in another medium that's not directly uh, related, you start mm-hmm. to, there starts to be some overlap and you mm-hmm. draw from one and it inspires the other. Yeah. So I think that that has definitely been uh, something that I experience. My mind goes to like painters like Raphael, I think, who painted like all of his people look like sculptures. Mm. <laughs> like, I can't even describe what that means except for to say like he painted people that looked like sculptures and not like like the rest of Renaissance painter, painters at the time. Okay, last question related to woodworking. Although you are allowed to, to talk about woodworking as much as you want in the Christmas section, but I wanted to ask you, if there was one thing that you really wanted, maybe an aspiring person to know, maybe just the lay person to know about woodworking, about running a small business, about selling on Etsy. If you could pick, if you had to pick one thing to tell somebody, what would it be? Uh, I would tell them that it's very important, important for you to really believe in the work that you're doing mm-hmm. because people people purchase or people are willing to invest in something that that they believe in by virtue of your believing in it. Mm-hmm. And also your quality uh, shows by virtue of how much you believe in what you're doing. Mm. And really, most things flow from how much you believe in what you're doing. So that's important. important. And um, allow for your process to to grow and to change and to, to morph. Don't be discouraged if when you start off, things seem very small and mm-hmm. you're not sure if people will latch on to what you're doing. Just keep at it. It will progress and, and become something that you did not anticipate from wow. the beginning. I think uh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. I feel... Yeah. The same way, I think that that's a really true. That's true and wonderful advice um, about believing in what you're doing, and uh, sometimes it takes time for people mm-hmm. people to latch on. But that doesn't mean it's not worth doing um, because you're passionate about it. So mm-hmm. that's great. All right. So as you know, in addition to media here at Five Tree Christmas, we love Christmas. <laughs> I love the season. So I I would love to ask you a few questions about your your Christmas memories and experiences. Mm-hmm. Can we jump into it? Yeah. All right. So what was Christmas like in your house growing up? And what are some of your favorite Christmas traditions that uh, either come out of that or that you've developed on your own since you've become an adult? Growing up, Chris, Christmas time uh, was always a very dreamy time. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I, I just really enjoyed how it seems that all society, or at least Western society, mm-hmm. <laughs> would take on a whole new um, aesthetic and mm-hmm. vibe and feeling, and it's in the air. Mm-hmm. I think there's songs written about it being in the air, mm-hmm. and truly that's what it would seem like. Um, people would pause their other their their way of doing things normally to take on this whole new aesthetic christmas aesthetic yeah um and 
of course, there's the commercialized side of it, but I think there's also a very genuine side of it. Um, being a being a Christian, mm -hmm. um, seeing it from that vantage point was always part of my childhood. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm very, I very much do enjoy the the dreamy nature of Christmas, and uh, in our family, we did not really, we never latched on or were we were actually discouraged from going the commercialized route where mm -hmm. it's all about getting gifts and and uh, buying a lot of stuff and all that kind of stuff that's mm -hmm. never there but there was always an element of this there's something special about this time mm -hmm. and we really connected with each other's family and uh, it, it was always a very special time so i do enjoy christmas love that mm -hmm. thanks for sharing and do you happen to recall uh, a particularly uh re memorable uh moment do you have a favorite christmas memory I don't really have one that that sticks out mm -hmm. in my mind. Uh, there is a recent uh, go ahead, <laughs> and I don't remember exactly what day it fell on, but it was the Christmas season. Yeah, um, I I uh, I do Airbnb in my in my home, mm -hmm. and I had a couple guests stay with me. Uh, there are two friends that came from out of town, and when they came, we got a very big okay. snowstorm, and they got stuck at my house. <laughs> And so their stay got extended. And um, I, I just remember it being it being special, uh, connecting with these strangers in my house. Wow. Um, but also, <laughs> I, they overstayed their, they overstayed, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. also, how can I say it? It was getting to a point where it was getting a little strange. <laughs> yeah some of their behavior uh, was getting a little strange not in a very bad not in a bad way but it's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's all i'll say about that but okay. it's, it's, <laughs> it was it's just a comical occurrence of having these strangers stay in my house beyond what i or they had expected, expected. and yeah. it just became a whole comical thing of them being out on my deck, playing in the snow and acting silly, <laughs> acting themselves, but I suppose not how they would have normally act. That's really acting. funny. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, all I know is that I've been to Asheville before and I definitely would not want to drive there in a snowstorm. I grew up in the flat lands of the Midwest mm -hmm. and I would be terrified to drive there in the winter. <laughs> terrified. I, I believe they also came from the Midwest. Oh man, it it would not be for me. I'm terrified to drive there a little bit, like when it's just the summer and it's not raining or anything. Um, so I can only imagine what it's like there in the winter. Oh. And you know, last question: movies, mm -hmm. love them. I'm a movie buff. Do you have any favorite Christmas movies? Any uh, favorite Christmas TV shows? Favorite Christmas songs? I know you're you're musical and uh, creative in that way. Any any Christmas media that's particular that you're particularly fond of? I I don't watch a lot of Christmas movies, but I mm -hmm. do remember in the doctor's office watching some of Elf, and I thought that was quite funny. I'm I I love uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell and his sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, so that that was that was funny. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Fish out of water. Fish out of water movies are, are, are good. A good one. I love that. All right. Well, um, I always end off with this one question that I surprise people with. So I'll just ask you if you have uh, a Christmas wish for this year, one thing that you're hoping for this Christmas for you, for the world, for your family, for, for anything, what would that be? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> suppose my wish and my my prayer is mm-hmm. that um that this our society would find peace in coming down coming down from our often uh, <laughs> lofty lofty mindsets mm-hmm. i suppose a way of saying it i'm just looking at all of the the tensions and the conflicts that we have across the globe yeah. If you drill down, just comes to our thinking of ourselves far more than we ought to as, yeah. as human beings and uh, vying for all sorts of power and, and positions. Mm-hmm. And you just see how it plays out in our society. So if we need, if we would come down a few notches and humble <laughs> ourselves, I think we would find a lot more peace. Um, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, 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 I wish and pray the same. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Clayjo. Thank you for joining me here at Five Tree Christmas. Thank you for sharing uh, your passion for woodworking, a little bit about your Christmas uh, traditions and memories. It was a pleasure chatting with you today. Oh, same here. Thank you so much for having me. I, it's a big honor. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me again. Mm-hmm. And have a very Merry Christmas. So that is it for my conversation with Kwejo Sampinpong. I hope you enjoyed our conversation, learning a bit about woodworking, building furniture, building a business, all of that. It was a lovely conversation. If you'd like to find Kwejo, you can find him on Etsy at Crafted Glory Design or on Instagram at Crafted Glory. If you'd like to find me or any of my Christmas movie reviews, you can find them on Instagram at Five Tree Christmas or on Facebook also at Five Tree Christmas. If you'd like to reach out with any questions or comments, you can find me at FiveTreeChristmas at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a blast as always. And here's to the next review. Bye.